if it's a missing persons case when the vehicle also disappears, then that's usually a pretty good clue if you can find that vehicle as to what happened to the person. When you can't find the vehicle, now, you know, you start thinking, okay, you know, where, where can you hide a vehicle, especially for a long period of time in a logical places underwater. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I couldn't be better, Tim. How are you today? I am doing great. And in this episode, we speak with Jennifer Amell, our friend, our coworker, and we speak about three different missing persons cases that are actually resolved now. And uh, none of them have happy endings necessarily, but they are resolutions. Now, the common thread with all of these stories is that the vehicles that were owned by the victims were pulled from bodies of water. And it all started with the story of Judith Chartier, who was missing since June 5th of 1982. And the car was pulled from the Concord River in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. And that sort of piqued our curiosity. And we looked into it a little deeper. And we could have come up with many, many more stories about this. But we only chose three just to have a productive conversation and not make it a four-hour show. Yeah, these are all recent cases. And uh, in October of 2021, there was a car found and human remains inside the vehicle tied to a 2002 missing persons case out of Delhi Township, Indiana. And Stephanie Van Nuyen was 26, and she disappeared in April of 2002, along with her two children, Christina, who was four, and John, who was three. And Samantha Jean Hopper, who was reported missing on September 11th of 1998. That's the third story we discuss in this episode. And her vehicle was pulled on October 26th of 2021 in Pope County, Arkansas, in a body of water that was around the Pleasant View Road area. And unfortunately, this story has three victims. Tragically, uh, in addition to Samantha, her daughter, who was 22 months old, was also in the car. And Samantha herself was nine months pregnant. So we have three victims in that story. Okay, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Please follow us on social media at MissingCSM. And don't forget to swing by our website, crawlspace-media.com, to discover everything you need to know about the Crawlspace Media universe. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors here, and then we'll resume with Jenna Mel in just a moment. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChapaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance and Jen. How are you today? Doing well today, Tim. I just want to uh, say happy birthday to you. We are recording (laughs) this on your birthday. So to get that out of the way, it's great to be here uh, recording with you and Jen on your birthday. And uh, yeah, feeling good about the whole thing. How are you guys doing? I, for one, am honored to be included in Tim's birthday plans. <laughs> <laughs> no way I'd rather spend my birthday than uh, speaking to our friends, the listeners, and uh, and you two, uh, lovely folks, speaking about missing people as we do every week. This episode is a little bit different. We're not going to focus on one case. We're actually going to speak a little bit about three different cases that all had vehicles recovered recently there were vehicles found submerged in water and human remains found inside those vehicles or at least near those vehicles yeah i've been thinking a lot about what it means when a person goes missing and their vehicle also disappears alongside them i think at least for me like my car is kind of an extension of my home i keep a lot of my belongings in there there's usually some type of evidence of what I've been doing. Like if I made purchases, they'd be in the car or receipts. Of course, I keep my purse, I mean, clothing, all that type of stuff. So I think when someone goes missing alongside their vehicle, that vehicle is missing because it has evidence pertaining to that person's like last movements or any forensic evidence that points to another person or the abducting party being in that car. Like they might leave behind fingerprints. They might leave behind hairs. They might leave behind any kind of blood evidence if there was a struggle, like a violent struggle within a car. So these these vehicles become quite important to the investigation. That's a really good point. And when you're talking about the things that you leave in your car, I think everyone can think about their their automobiles over the years. And that changes, I think, even as you grow up. There's certain things that you leave in your car when you've just gotten your license into your late teens, early 20s. Like I remember my cars back then and they were just anything and everything was in there. You could find anything from like wrappers to magazines and, you know, a tripod or, you know, so many things could be in that car just based on what I was doing in my life. But as you get older and you realize, you know, maybe you don't like as much clutter in your life anymore, you move into a bigger place. So now you don't have to keep so much stuff in your car. You can actually store it inside. I think that's very telling as well. Things that aren't in the car. If you're looking at a car from an investigative lens and you're not finding certain things, when the rest of the car looks a certain way, like if you're not finding hair hair particles when the car is a bit cluttered, that, that might be a little strange. That might make it look like perhaps somebody cleaned up the car or, or you know, if you're, if you're not finding a purse, but there's a wallet on the seat. I think a lot of that does go into uh, what, what it's like when you're investigating a disappearance and you find a vehicle. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, likewise, I was just thinking of fingerprints too. If you find a lack of fingerprints in the car, that means that somebody has wiped down that vehicle because of course your own fingerprints are going to be all over that alongside um, family members or friends that might ride along with you too. So that's important stuff to consider in an investigation. And of course, we've covered a lot of cases on this show where the person is missing, but the car is left behind. Notably, Maura Murray, Brianna Maitland, Brandon Lawson, Phoenix Colden all have multiple part um, episodes here on this very feed. So this episode is different in that both the person and the car are missing. And uh, we're going to cut now to a, a brief clip of private investigator Lou Barry from PIs for the Missing to discuss the value of a car in a missing person's investigation. Quite often, it, there, there could be some you know, physical evidence in there. There could be some DNA in there. Again, every, every case is different, but, you know, where was the car found? You know, windows open, windows shut, doors open, doors shut. I mean, a lot of that you can tell or at least speculate as to what might have happened to the individual by the condition of the car. Were there valuables left inside? There's so many possibilities that it's hard to kind of hard to pin down exactly. But certainly if, if a person's missing and, and you find their vehicle, then that's a huge potential break in the case. At least, you know, you hope that perhaps it's going to be um, DNA or, or fingerprints or some type of other physical evidence there. But if the individual went missing from their car, it's certainly, you know, it's a huge advantage. As long as the crime scene's preserved, you know, that's obviously an issue in a number of cases where initially it's not treated as a missing person case and the car is towed and, um, you know, the scene is, is compromised and, you know, you lose some potential evidence that way. Um, but if it's recognized right away that there's a crime scene and it's preserved properly, then, you know, it can be processed and hopefully, you know, you can come up with some type of relevant evidence, footprints outside, DNA, you know, um, left behind in a form of, you know, cigarettes or, you know, cans, beer cans, whatever. Now, when a vehicle's found underwater and it's been there for some period of time, the vehicle oftentimes will act as a it help in the preservation of the of the body. Um, you know, it protects, you know, if the windows are up, obviously your car is going to float a little bit before it eventually sinks, but evidence inside, you know, is going to be much more preserved than if it was just a body that was found, you know, in the river, um, exposed to predators and, and, and everything. The colder the water, obviously, the better condition the body's going to be in. You know, there's been bodies recovered from very cold water after a number of years that are still relatively intact. On the other hand, warmer water, particularly, you know, on the ocean in the summertime, you've got all sorts of predators and, and everything, and um, they will pretty much decompose pretty, pretty rapidly and um, just leave behind, you know, a skeleton. So the car itself, just to get back to that, it helps to, protect that body both from predators and sometimes from decomposition. Um, the deeper it is, the better it is, because the deeper it is, the colder the water is. It's also the harder to find, obviously, but if you do find it, then, you know, you've got the body. Now you can tell maybe a cause of death or at least whether or not it was, uh, you know, natural causes or some type of uh, inflicted injury or something. Usually if a vehicle disappears, it was either 
you know, stolen or something along those lines. And, you know, if it's a missing persons case when the vehicle also disappears, then, you know, that's usually a pretty good clue if you can find that vehicle as to what happened to the person. When you can't find the vehicle, now, you know, you start thinking, okay, you know, where where can you hide a vehicle, especially for a long period of time? And a lot logical place is underwater. As you well know, quite often in the news, you'll see where they pull a vehicle out of a lake or a river or whatever, uh, and they find the deceased inside. Sometimes it's natural causes. Sometimes it's it's uh, more than that. But, you know, short of that, to dispose of a vehicle completely, unless you have access to a, uh, you know, a chop shop of some type or auto crusher, and, you know, they have to keep pretty good records. So unless it's someone that is just, you know, working outside the law, it's, you know, not really a practical place to get rid of a car. Thanks, Lou. And the first case we're going to talk about today is Judith Chartier. And uh, if you're looking to Google this case, her last name is spelled C-H-A-R-T-I-E-R, phonetically Chartier, but we're going to use Chartier here. And her vehicle was found recently, and Judy has been missing since June 5th, 1982 from Chelmsford, Massachusetts. So on the evening of June 5th, Judith attended a party in Billerica, Massachusetts. She was with her fiance, whom she had been engaged to for about four months at that point. And apparently at the party, they had a bit of an argument and Judith drove her fiance to his home and then went back to the party. And so Judy had driven back to the party by herself after dropping off her fiance and witnesses told investigators that she left the party alone at around 2 a.m. And that was when she went missing. And Judy was driving a 1972 Dodge Dart. And uh, until November of 2021, Judy nor her Dodge Dart had been located. And I just want to, uh, you know me, I like to give our listeners a sense of the geography when we talk about these particular missing person stories. So if you're looking at Boston, you go about north or a little bit to the northwest, and it's just below the New Hampshire border. So apparently in early November, there were actual dive teams on the river, and they were looking for evidence pertaining to Chartier's case. I'm not sure if they received a tip or somebody saw part of a vehicle in the car. Do you guys know how law enforcement got onto this? I don't know, but uh, I do know that the vehicle and the remains were found in 10 feet of water um, and less than two miles from the site where uh, of the party where Chartier was last seen. So that's strikes me as a very shallow body of water for a vehicle to uh, be submerged in and not to have been seen for as long as Judith was missing since 1982, almost 40 years. Yeah, absolutely. You would think like if you were peering over the bank into the water, you might be able to even see part of the car through the water. I don't know how how murky it is there. Have you been on the Concord River ever? Not directly on the Concord River, but there are some major highways that go through there. So anytime you take a trip to New Hampshire, if you're coming from um, perhaps the Lowell area, you just pass over it, you pass by it. Uh, Something else to note here is that the vehicle was found in the river located about a mile from her home, from the Chartier home, which is which is incredibly close. When you're thinking about a search for, for your missing loved one and the, the, you have a river, you have a home, and it's less than a mile. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that they didn't 
drag the river closer to her disappearance. That seems like it might be an area to check much earlier than 40 years later. So we do know that there were searches for the car, the 72 Dodge Dart, and they were run by the Massachusetts State Police Dive Team. And shout out to civilian divers Bruce Stebbins and Hans Hug Jr. of Sonar Search and Recovery. I'm not sure where they at what point were enlisted to help or when the state police decided now we're going to search this particular area, but those were the parties involved finding the pieces of the car and then leading to the discovery of body remains as well. A variety, the quote is a variety of human remains. I see. And I think um, in the vehicle, there was also an ID belonging to Judith as well. I don't think they wanted to confirm right off the bat that it was Judy's remains in the river before they could, you know, forensically tasked for that but um, I think it did come back that it was in fact Judy who was found but I guess where does this leave the investigation are we any closer to finding answers I mean unfortunately you have the situation where she had an argument with her boyfriend and then drove back to the party if she didn't have that argument with her boyfriend wouldn't this look like somebody who maybe had been at a party and consumed a little too much alcohol or left too late and got tired and subsequently ended up in the river after a single car accident or something. Yeah, it's definitely definitely true. I mean, like she did leave the party to drop her fiance off, but then returned to the party. So that's still a possibility there that she became intoxicated after the fact and, you know, had an accident. Well, Judy's family actually believes, I don't know if they still do, but um, before her car was found, at least believed that she was met uh, with foul play at the hands of someone she knew, and that's um, per her brother Joe. However, it appears like police don't believe that because Chelmsford Police Chief James Spinney told CBS Boston 25's Bob Ward that Judy Chartier's case has haunted the department for decades. And he says, quote, There's no other way to put it. This case was an open wound for us, the town and the department end quote. And then he says, he goes on to say, we're all still stunned, but we're also satisfied and we're happy for the family. And that's been the most important thing. End quote. So the fact that he says we're satisfied and happy for the family tells me that it doesn't sound like there's any further investigation. There is a lead um, that the Charlie Project mentioned that the U.S. Secret Service in Washington, D.C. received a tip concerning a counterfeiting operation. One of the suspects in this counterfeiting operation was a man by the name of James Mitchell de Bardelabin. He's believed to be connected to a number of murders in the area, but some Secret Service agents found an actual map of the Chelmsford region in this guy's car, along with a bunch of photos of women who were engaged in what's called sadomasochistic acts. So this is pretty interesting. There was also a receipt found in this guy James's car dated June 4th, 1982. And this was, as we know, just a day prior to Judy's disappearance. So, I mean, apparently Judy fits uh, the profile of this guy. Other people that he has killed kind of look like Judy. These are kind of loose connections to this guy James. I just want to be clear, they placed him in that area because of the movements that they were 
tracing on the counterfeiting trafficking map that he had? I'm not sure what the map was referring to that was found in his vehicle, but it did place him in that area. And then in addition to that, there was a receipt found in his car for a motel um, in Chelmsford dated the day before Judy went missing. So those are the two things that are kind of circumstantially linked. Very interesting and a real quick bit of history on him. He was known as the Mall Passer. That's mall as in shopping mall. The Mall Passer. He died in January of 2011 after being sentenced to 375 years in prison. For what? He was sentenced for kidnapping, raping, counterfeiting, and also uh, he was a suspected serial killer. It was mostly for the uh, the kidnapping and raping. So we have that angle. We have the DeBardellabin suspect. But then also Joe, Judy's brother, said that the day before she went missing, Judy asked her dad to look in the trunk of her car, saying she was like too scared to look in it herself. And Joe thinks that this might have something to do with Judy thinking that she had inadvertently become a drug mule, which is an interesting thing to say. Like, I don't know what event would have to happen in your life for you to think like, oh, maybe I somebody slipped drugs into my car. So that's a that's an interesting angle to this. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what happened from, you know, when Judith left that party. So it could be any number of things. It seems like maybe an obvious answer um, that, that she was found in a body of water as we're going to go on in this episode. It does seem like something that needs to be checked, obviously, um, and thought of maybe as one of the first places a missing person could be when they're missing with their car. Yeah, definitely. And I hope um, as the law enforcement continues to process the vehicle and her remains that they find some kind of cause of death or additional information that will point to a suspect and Judy's family can gain some closure. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And the second case we're going to talk about today is the disappearance of Samantha Jean Hopper. And Samantha was 20 years old and pregnant at the time of her disappearance in September of 1998. And she was also traveling with her daughter, Courtney. And her her daughter was quite young. I think she was almost two years old. Courtney Holt was her name. And both Samantha and her daughter were never seen again. And this story took place in Arkansas, and uh, again, Samantha went missing on 9-11 in 1998, and so I think she was 19, actually, at the time. She was 5'2", 125 pounds. And to further add to the tragedy here, there are three victims. We have the daughter, Courtney. We obviously have Samantha, but she was eight months pregnant at the time as well, so when you're looking at all things told, there are three victims in this particular missing persons, missing car, found car in a river cold case. And per people.com, Samantha was reported to have been traveling to drop her daughter, Courtney Holt off before continuing on to a concert in little rock. However, Samantha, her daughter and her blue Ford tempo were never located per the uh, press release. Never located until the end of October of this year. It was located in about eight feet of water by the nonprofit, a local nonprofit, Adventures with a Purpose. And that's the company that works on cold cases all over the country. 
and they were assisted with the removal of the car by Elmo's crane service and Battlecross towing. They pulled the vehicle from this eight-ish feet of water. And looking at the pictures of the car being pulled out of the water, it would appear that the car was discovered upside down. You have the crane pulling it out. It's attached to its front and rear axles. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't see any other reason why they would pull it out that way. Um, I'm not sure what exactly that means, but if the car did enter the water upside down, I guess that's part of the investigation is to figure out, is this an accident or was this intentional? Again, I'm not sure. It just looks like that based on the pictures. Yeah, and apparently Pope County Sheriff's Office received a 911 call um, from somebody who saw the vehicle in the water. Not sure if the person who called like knew that this car was attached to a missing person's case, but I imagine if I saw a car submerged in a body of water, I would probably call police immediately too. And Samantha does have a surviving daughter named Desiree Carpenter, who now lives in Florida, and uh, expressed online that this has been a relief to have found her mother and her 22-month-old sister, Courtney. They are asking for donations to help with a proper burial, and there's a link in the show notes. And just want to give a shout-out to Adventures with a Purpose, and you can check them out at, on their YouTube page or adventureswithapurpose.com. They claim to have solved 16 missing persons cold cases since 2019. And uh, this is a pretty amazing nonprofit. And actually, we've been in a little bit of contact with them, with uh, PIs for the Missing, because, uh, I mean, it just seems like a perfect pairing if uh, if we have any cases that could involve a, a car and a, and a body of water, because this uh, this crew, they seem to travel all over the country and really find cars in bodies of water and soft cases it's uh pretty incredible and they film these things and they put them on youtube as well yeah i was just gonna say they show up with a full well-equipped team to not only discover these wreckages but to properly document how they're recovered what condition they were in upon discovery anything they can do to help with the investigation really you're right they're an amazing group what do we know about the location of where this car was found? Was it found like directly off a roadway or a bridge? Do you think it would be easy for someone to potentially get distracted and drive off the edge into the water? Or did it have to deliberately be placed here? Well, yeah, it's a great question. And without knowing the exact like pinpoint specifics, we know that the search was in multiple locations around Lake Dardanelle. Uh, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Lake Dardanelle. Uh, around the route of Mill Creek, and they had chaos divers in the Illinois Bayou near Pleasant View Road. And what we've read is that they ran sonar under one of the Pleasant View Road bridges, and the car was viewed through that sonar, and divers went in and discovered that it was indeed the Blue Tempo. So from what the information tells us, it appears to be under one of those bridges. Not sure exactly which bridge, but under a bridge. So she could have conceivably accidentally driven off this bridge. I think we found Samantha and her babies was what came over the wire. And uh, Jared Lisick of Adventures with a Purpose said, it's just one of those things where it just drops you. And they apparently located five other vehicles in their search for Samantha's car, which is pretty impressive 
Jared says they've located a vehicle during a dive about 90 to 95 percent of the time, and they've been able to solve 25 percent of the cases they've worked on. And uh, Lisa goes on to say he isn't stopping anytime soon. He says, I'm still young enough that I have another 10 to 15 years in me. So let's see how many families we can help along the way, end quote. And that's from KY3.com. So big shout out to Adventures with a Purpose and Jared Lisick. Let's circle back to these other vehicles that were found in the area. So somebody called in with a 911 tip about this Ford Tempo. Um, Adventures with a Purpose comes out. Um, they use sonar technology to find the tempo under the bridge. And then as they're using this technology in the water, they locate another Honda with 2003 tags and then five other vehicles uh, nearby, but at a different park, they describe it as. So this is super interesting. I mean, what are the chances of finding multiple abandoned vehicles within this area? Well, maybe they're good. I, I mean, maybe the chances aren't bad. Um, as you know, we're kind of going over in this episode. I mean, I, I, it seems like one of the most likely things to have, to happen if a missing person goes missing with their car. Right, that it would be found in water. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying all those cars uh, were were of missing people, but it does just seem like an obvious answer. Yeah, I think at this at this time, law enforcement is not saying that these vehicles are connected to any missing persons cases or are they connected to Samantha's case? I'd say there's also a handful of people right now who might be reading this and getting a little nervous that the car that they declared stolen because they couldn't make their car payments <laughs> might now have to uh, fess up on why their car was found in a river. <laughs> Obviously, the, the thief put it there. That's mm-hmm. what thieves do when they steal cars. <laughs> <laughs> they sink them. And the final case we're going to talk about today is Stephanie Van Nuyen, whose vehicle was also recently found in the Ohio River. This is another very tragic case. Another one that involves small children. She went missing in April of 2002, along with her two children, Christina and John. Unfortunately, her and her children were never found until this discovery. Yeah, um, it's interesting. The Charlie Project lists her name as Van Ty Nguyen and then refer to her as Stephanie within the description of the disappearance. So I'm wondering if there she went by an Americanized name and a Vietnamese name. Stephanie went missing on April 18th, 2002 um, from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, she would have been 26 years old at the time. Like we said, she is Vietnamese. She has black hair, brown eyes. On the day of her disappearance, she left behind some notes for her husband and her parents. They seemed like a suicide note of a sort. She cited her failed marriage um, that had driven her to depression and that she was going to kill herself and her children by driving into the Ohio River. And this would be near the Grand Victoria Casino. Well, the uh, Indiana State Police said that the vehicle was found at a depth of more than 50 feet, and it was about 300 feet from the riverbank. So wherever it was found, it was about 300 feet from the riverbank in about 50 feet of water. Right. A 1997 Nissan Pathfinder that Nguyen and her children were last seen in. It was discovered near Aurora, Indiana. But yeah, it was in the Ohio River, as she did note. So it makes you wonder why it would take... 20 years, but obviously the depth of that body of water and I guess how far from the shore that the car was found 
could probably be obvious reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that happened that makes this even more tragic, if that's even possible, when she was out with her two kids, an officer actually pulled her over for failing to dim her headlights. And the officer noticed her, her two kids asleep in the back of the car, um, but he let them go with a warning or a ticket, I'm not sure. But I'm wondering if that officer witnessed any kind of behavior that would be strange of Stephanie. I think it kind of rules out at this point that it could have been somebody else who wrote that note and killed uh, Stephanie and her two children and then put the car in the Ohio River. It seems like Stephanie was alone at the time. And the investigation, I guess, was uh, reopened because of the upcoming anniversary, the 20th year anniversary. And it was October 13th when dive teams were called to the scene in the river because they were using sonar technology, and that's when they found the 97 Pathfinder. And I don't know if there's any more information on this. Everything that we've looked at says that there were human remains. Are you seeing anything more than just a single bone that was found in the vehicle? Because when looking into it, the only description of human remains is a single bone. Yeah, that's what I see too. Only a single bone, and they have yet to test this bone to determine if it is related to Stephanie or her children. Yeah, in these articles, sometimes they're reported slightly different. In OhioNewsTime.com, on an article they wrote, it does say a human body was found inside a vehicle uh, linked to this missing persons case, and that uh, that article came out uh, about four weeks ago now. I mean, we know that uh, search dogs, cadaver dogs, can also catch the scent of decomposition in water as well. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of searches were done at the time. I don't know if they had dogs on, on a, on a boat that could be searching on the river. Uh, maybe 50 feet is too deep, but that's really not the information that we've received in the past when speaking with, uh, dog trainers, cadaver dog trainers. Right. I think we heard up to a hundred feet or possibly more, but maybe this was a river. I don't know how fast flowing the Ohio river is at that point where the car was found. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm not sure how law enforcement is ruling this death at this point. If it's, if it's still an open investigation or if they suspect any foul play, but we do have that suicide note. Um, so I'm wondering if they're thinking in their minds, if it is in fact a suicide, however, um, there's been some rumors over the course of the, the last 20 years since Stephanie and her children have been missing that Stephanie might have even faked her own death and gotten rid of her vehicle. But um, I guess we have to wait for these remains to be matched to a person to determine whether or not it is Stephanie. Well, if she faked her own death, then Jesus. I mean, she she fakes her own death with this whole plan behind it to say that this is how I'm going to kill myself, probably intending for law enforcement or any search groups to find the car. I'm going to drive into the Ohio River, and that's where she plants the, I guess, evidence that would indicate that she was dead. I couldn't imagine doing that and then 20 years later still being alive and and looking at the situation and, and saying they still haven't found my car yet. I thought I planned this so well. Yeah, her two children as well, Christina and John, were uh, apparently in the car. And if you know she faked this, they would presumably or could presumably 
you know, be alive as well. Um, it just seems really unlikely 20 years go by and, um, three people, uh, you know, have, have faked this accident and, uh, are still out there living under a different name or something. Can only hope. Yeah. Unfortunately though, I think that is the product of two decades worth of speculation. Yeah. I mean, potentially you go 20 years without any kind of information. You're going to, I suppose, hold out any kind of hope that they're still out there living their lives. With the finding of this car, it doesn't look likely. Yeah, it does speak to um, speculation and sometimes harmful speculation. You know, it does seem like all these cases were sort of driven into the body of water by the driver. Um, in my opinion, I don't know, obviously. But um, if that's the case, then that means there's no foul play on these cases. There's also a tragedy there with the collateral damage that these mysteries can cause, these unanswered questions. It's a good point because you have so much time where people who were surrounding this individual uh, throughout this individual's life can then look back at situations that might have indicators of foul play. Uh, in, In Judith's case, there's a report like we were talking about she had a fight with her boyfriend. I mean, maybe it was a fight or maybe the more people were thinking about it, the more that they start remembering in their own way that why did they leave the party? I think they might've had a fight and maybe they didn't have a fight. Maybe he had to go do something, you know, the next morning and needed to go home early. But as time goes on, people start to maybe piece together things just to make answers in their own head just for their own personal satisfaction of saying, well, now I can at least put that to rest on some level in my own head. Yeah, absolutely. I think like if you, if you are not a family member of these missing people, we're kind of primed to think that they have been murdered or abducted because, and we listen and watch all of these true crime stuff, but sometimes it's just not the case. I mean, people have accidents. People, unfortunately, commit suicide. There's there's lots of avenues to pursue in missing persons cases. And we tend to cover a lot of those that foul play is suspected. But in these three cases that we just discussed, I mean, I'm not convinced all of them were accidents, but definitely, definitely one of them. I think Stephanie's case seems like a clear-cut suicide to me. Thanks a lot for listening. Please give us five stars and follow us on social media at Missing CSM. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.